fly still buzzing around my head. Welcome to 33 Tangents, a roundtable discussion covering a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Your hosts, Jason Thompson, John Naran, Jen Coons, and myself, Jim Driscoll, all live in different areas of the world, but work together in the same company. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. So that's that's an improvement. Yeah, that's and plus. it sounds good. The quality mm-hmm. sounds good, and everything. Good, good. How do you uh, how do you feel about me getting picked up by the Eagles? Oh, it's awesome! I'm looking forward to you moving out yeah. here. Yeah, um, that should be good. You know, at least have a, like, a home here for the season. So when you're not <laughs> when it's not game day, I can come over and have food. Yeah, it's going to be an awesome time. Looking <laughs> forward to it. Yeah. There was a uh, in the same area. Back in the, I want to say, 70s, a Jason Thompson that I think played first base for the Pirates. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we... I think we and we may have even mentioned that on a previous podcast. Yeah, because I think we talked about, like, you know, famous people that share our names. Yeah. So you brought him up. I brought up that there's a PGA, uh, PGA Tour player by the name of James Driscoll. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We don't know if there are any famous other than our famous Jen Coons. Um, whereas your uh, your famous Jim um, your last name at least is in Stranger Things season 3 oh I didn't know that the the crazy rat lady her last name was Driscoll and it was on the um, the mailbox as as Mm -hmm. they drove up so congratulations Uh, that's hysterical which made made me think of this uh, old Simpsons episode um, where they um, where they're, they're watching the, the new lineup uh, for the fall TV shows and it's like your typical police procedural and there's a character in there named Homer Simpson and he's <laughs> suave he's well spoken and whatnot so of course you know Homer starts acting that way and everyone starts treating him that way because the character's named that way and <laughs> then about halfway through the season they change him up and they make them goofy and clumsy and whatnot. And, of course, everyone starts making fun of Homer because of the character on TV. That's all I could think of when you mentioned the, the crazy cat lady's last name is Driscoll. That's awesome. Now, Driscoll is is more like Irish. It's it is Irish, Irish, right? Yes. Is it? Oh. Yes. I, had uh, I, tend, o- I, t- I tend to identify you as, as Italian. That is yeah. correct. Uh, you got that New Jersey my... Italian thing going. Or, well, I guess not New Jersey, but... No, 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 East Coast Italian. Yeah, yeah. yeah. East Coast Italian. Um, yeah. My father's mother's last name was Capone, if that says anything. Okay. Ah. And so I got all of those characteristics. And then that's I a good, the Irish last name. That's a good Italian last name. Sounds Sicilian. Yeah. Yep. Well, it was funny, because I don't know if I ever told you this story, um, and I think this will actually be a good segue into to our topic today. Uh, at one point, I'm working for a software company, and we just picked up our first European client, major client. So they're trying to quickly build a team over there, but they needed to send two people over for, for three months to really help get things moving. So I volunteered for it. You know, I, I had the ability to go to Europe for three months, and I was based in Kilkenny, Ireland, which is maybe about two hours south of Dublin or so. Um, so it, it's small. My husband Irish Kenny's town. favorite city, by the way. 
Kilkenny? Nice. Yeah, well, not really. <laughs> Being a teenage boy in you know late 1990s named Kenny when South Park was big, yes. <laughs> you can imagine how much anything that has to do with killing Kenny is not my husband's favorite thing. Oh, oh, I see what you mean. <laughs> um, Anyways, sorry. Th- that Kenny aside Art. is actually a gorgeous town. Uh, yeah. it's, it's on my list to, to go back and visit again. Because um, at this point, it's been 12 years since I was there. I definitely want to go back and visit it. But small Irish town. So they hear that a James Driscoll is coming to, to work on site for, for three months. And the, the Gaelic version of James Driscoll is Seamus O'Driscoll. So they're expecting a fair-skinned, Irish-looking guy to show up. I show up, dark skin, dark eyes, dark hair. And <gasps> they're funny. like, where's the Irish guy who was promised to us? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> that is awesome. So how are you, how are you segueing that? Yeah. So it was actually, well, I was working for that company, which is where I have an experience that is related to today's topic. Um, so... We've touched on this in various forms, but I don't think we've really had an episode truly, truly dedicated to this. And, you know, we've talked about people being promoted and we've talked about people being promoted above their their skill set or their capabilities. What I want to talk about today is, you know, really smart people making really bad managers because, I mean, we've all seen this and it may have even been us at times in our career. You know, you have this really smart person who's just amazing at their job. They're great at what they're doing. Um, so the decision is made, let's promote them into a leadership position and they fall flat on their face. Um, they're inept, you know, a, as a manager. And, you know, over time they've built up a lot of respect with people, but of course that all, is all lost, you know, and I, I'm trying not to repeat what we talked about before, cause I know we did touch on this a bit, but you know, what can be done for these types of people? And, you know, what do you do if you are one of these types of people? So. I think part of it is just the having a clear career progression uh, for folks that maybe aren't the best suited for managers, because sometimes it's merely manager is the only way up or to feel like you're progressing your career, whether or not it's something you are interested in or particularly well suited for. So um, I I do think that that's something as an industry that we can think about and do Mm -hmm. to make sure that... Um, there are ways that folks can feel like they continue growing, but without slating them for, you know, a, a change into a manager position, which is really a big change in a, in role and, and skill set, not mm-hmm. merely a congrats, you have a bigger paycheck now. Yeah. Um, and, and that's where, where, where my experience comes in. So that the company I was just talking about, I actually started with them uh, before I actually finished college. So there were a small printing company in the Philadelphia area that started to develop a software product to streamline the printing of uh, financial documentation for, for mutual fund companies. And so, you know, I started there as just like the intern co-op part-timer guy. And I, I, I started there just before I started senior year in college. And a funny tangent on that is, so I had taken all of my core courses up in, you know, in junior year. So I am done with all my core courses going into senior year. At this point, it's now filling all the electives I need to take to, to, to graduate. So I would be showing up for a 9 a.m. class with sometimes you know, just the elective was just a one-on-one class. So I'd be showing up with a couple other seniors who were in the same position I was trying to fill electives and a bunch of freshmen. And 
you know, they're all you know rolling out of bed, showing up to class in their pajamas, and here I come walking in in a button-down shirt and a pair of khakis, nice pair of shoes, and everyone's like, "What are you doing?" And I'm like, "I, I got work in two hours." <laughs> um, so, so that was real fun. But um, so because of the, you know where I kind of started with the company, and I was just kind of given random tasks, I got to learn the the software really, really well. Uh, you know, as they were developing it, I would then become the one who would write the best practices on how it was going to be used, how it was going to be implemented. So if you fast forward then three years, we start picking up some major clients. So we have to grow the team very quickly. So the decisions made, well, hey, Jim knows this really well. Jim knows how to build this. Let's promote him to manage the team and train up the team. And it was a horrible experience. <laughs> I was a terrible manager. Just, I mean, it was the first time being promoted, for one. But two, it was just like you, you're given these expectations of what a manager should be and what they really are. To, you know, a successful manager is it's completely different. And, and again, about how old are you by the time that you were manager there? 23. Yeah. OK. I, I was going to say I remember you uh, mentioning being a bit young. Um, yeah. <laughs> So you also have all these expectations of what you think a manager is. Oh, there's someone who comes in and says, you do this and you do that. And, you know, like, uh, well, I thought I told you to do that. And it's it's more than just dictating. Um, so it, 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 was a, it was a tough experience. And one I think I learned from, at least I hope I did. Um, but it was interesting nonetheless. Yeah, it's it's such an interest. There's so many different ways we can take this this conversation, and I and I think it's an interesting timing, given I think yours and Jen's conversations and some of the conversations that we're having internally around how do we recognize growth? Because I think that's a that's a key component that that leads into this um, is that oftentimes the the management chain or tr- or path is is used to recognize growth. Um, and it's just kind of what we've accepted. And, and I think Jen, I can't remember if it's Jen or Jim, as you mentioned, it's like, well, we're, we're principal consultants. Where do we go next? Right. And, and again, it's kind of that, that, that mentality that a change in title specifically into management is the career path. It's there's more money, there's more responsibility, there's more dot, dot, dot. And, and I think two problems come from that. A lot of times you get really, really talented people that, that honestly have no desire to be in management, but they make that decision because that's the only path that there is for me to be recognized for my additional value that I can add to a company. So I think that, you know, that's one thing that has to be addressed. And then the second thing, which I think is a, is a huge one, and we've probably all fallen victim to is a company or a manager that has probably gone through the same experience, doesn't know any better and says, Oh, Jim's a smart guy. He knows this. I'm going to promote him to a manager. The assumption is he's going to magically know how to be a great manager. And it's odd because if you were to move into another position where you maybe needed to know a, a technology, they would invest in training. They would at least give you some kind of resources to learn about those new skills that they were asking you to do. But we don't do that in management. We say, well, you're smart, so you, you're just going to be a good manager. And rarely does it, it work. You know, It's a skill that needs training and experience and, and mentoring to, to be good at. Well, have you ever noticed in sports some of the best players make some of the worst coaches? I've seen that. I, I've noticed I've that, seen that in so many sports. Yeah, that's uh, and that's an. And I'm sure there's a lot of literature on that because that's and I'm sure there's some outliers, 
Um, but it, it seems to me that a lot of the best coaches have played, but were never the star player. They were bench Often, players. They were bench players. They, they didn't have long careers um, as, as a player, but had the, had the mind for it. Yeah. Um, they, they tend to be the best coaches. Well, the, the best example of that here in Philadelphia is Charlie Manuel. Um, he took the Phillies to the 08 World Series, and then they lost the World Series in 09 to the Yankees. So that guy never has to buy a drink anywhere in the city ever. Um, <laughs> and he, he had an average career. I, mean, I think he spent a good portion of his career in Japan, in fact, and not even in the major leagues. And then when he was first hired, you know, he's got this slow southern drawl when, when, when he's talking, and everyone's like, who is this guy? Like, you know... We, we, we barely you know have ever heard of him playing in the major leagues and but he's a phenomenal manager he gets those players to go out there and, and kill it for him I, I I'm getting a vision of Jen speaking of Homer Simpson where uh, <clears throat> Homer went to the uh, cider brewery and and he, they're giving him the lesson on the difference between cider and and apple juice and, and he's like you can stay here brain but I'm leaving <laughs> <laughs> I picture yeah. I picture that being Jen when we go down these sports ro- these yeah. sports roads. Like it'd probably be rude for me to cut in with just oh sportsy sportsy sports sports, but um, yeah, I know I just don't have much to contribute to that. Um, uh, so 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 let's 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 kind of focus this conversation because again I think we can take it a lot of different ways, but I I think one of the interesting ways that we can um, dissect this a little bit is from the individual contributor level, and maybe if we want to even stay within you know, digital marketing or even further down into digital analytics. Um, talk about how if, you know, if we're a manager, if we, you know, have a company or we're an individual, how we can help influence things. H- how can we think about how we can grow within an individual contributor role that's just as meaningful, just as rewarding, just as profitable than if I went uh, down a managerial path? You know what? What might that look like? And have we seen companies that are are doing a good job of 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 building those those um, parallel paths? Oh man, that's hard. Because <laughs> um, I don't think it's something that that the industry uh, has figured out quite yet. Um, but I'm also coming from a largely, well, okay, entirely, exclusively consulting side of um, of the business where. There really just is your consultant, your consultant, your consultant until you're either a manager or you're not in consulting anymore. Um, like the, those are your options. You move over to product, you go client side, you change careers, but there, there really isn't a ton of a way forward. Um, so yeah, I, I that's definitely not an answer. It's merely, a, I guess, an observation that, especially from the consulting side, there's. You, you can definitely become a better consultant, um, but it's it's just more of the same, perhaps a little more refined, a little more e- expert. Um, what have we What have we seen over. on Yeah, what have we seen on the client side, either um, from personal experience or you know, one of the great things about working in services is we get a window into sure. lots and lots of different companies. Um, what have we seen as far as building paths? And let's let's think about analytics. Is it mm-hmm. I'm I'm a I'm a Martech implementer. I'm an analyst. Then I'm a manager of analytics. Then I'm a director of analytics. Then I'm a VP of analytics. Well, you know, what what does the realistic path look like? And again, with with analytics teams tending to be so small, 
Mm-hmm. It doesn't really make sense to have a director of one. So how right. do you recognize that that growth in a person? And you know, I had this conversation on Twitter. I'm like, we're kind of just throwing out titles, and especially it's it's kind of a Utah thing as well. I <laughs> maybe it's it's everywhere else, but in Utah we like to give out titles. So everybody's a director or a senior director of something, even if it's a one or two person company or you know, like <laughs> a ten person company has like one CEO and nine senior directors of something. Right, right. Um so how do we realistically look at, at growth? Again, given analytics teams tend to be fairly small, um, and what's a realistic path for an individual that may want to get to the top of their game, but they don't want to take on the managerial path? Right. Well, and not only are teams often very small, but it's a new enough industry, and it's growing so quickly, not just in the number of people, but in what what we do that um, a lot of the time these are positions that we are inventing for ourselves and that does uh, leave a lot of room for that growth because there's not really a set plan it's a you see where there are gaps and you may be able to invent a new title and role for yourself Um, and and i think i have seen that where the the scope of it changes from you are just doing marketing analytics or marketing implementation and then well the industry no longer considers analytics just a marketing thing and we need to consider the whole data ecosystem and you're the one you know best suited for this so congrats you are now the you know vp of data (laughs) kind of like that sort of growth where it's not necessarily managing though you you, it, it could be but it is um expanding the scope of the analytics practice from being just a marketing thing um, to being a marketing product, UX, uh, big data, like all of these different things that should all be using that data. Um, and uh, you know, somebody needs to step up and, and be that person who connects all the, the ecosystem pieces at a lot of companies. So I think that's something where that's not necessarily a management thing. Yes, you might have more people working under you or around you, but it's it's a role that we need a lot of folks to step up and, and grow the role itself because organizations definitely need someone in that uh, mindset. Jim, thoughts? You're pondering? Pondering, yeah. Unfortunately, really don't have anything, anything additional it, to that. It, it, yeah, it's such an. It, again, I think it's such a, a a tricky thing, and words end up meaning a lot. And I can see both sides of the, of the story. Um, and some of the feedback that I got on Twitter when we were talking about this is that not only does um, kind of moving into a management role and giving that title help give fulfillment to people, but it also unlocks opportunities. Um, whereas, you know, if you have a role of implementer or analyst, uh, you may have a hard time talking with a senior VP at a company, but if I have a role of director, maybe that opens up doors, even if it's just title, um, uh, alone. So I think, you know, one of the most important things is we're talking about moving individuals into management roles is, is really being clear on what the expectation is. And, from a management role, are we saying, okay, this means you now are responsible for people and, you know, that has an HR component, that has a mentoring component, mm-hmm. you know, you're now responsible for setting and driving vision, um, or is it more of a, 
in in this role this title is is kind of a management-esque title but it's really more about your level of expertise and unlocking opportunities for you to sit at, at larger tables within the organizations because I, I think we've seen that a lot in companies where you know we go in and we may work with the director of analytics they have no direct team they have no people that report to them directly there may be dotted lines um, but they are asked to kind of drive uh, a broad strategy um, and and but again a lot of times I don't think that it's clearly been communicated like this is a separate path um, and we've all been brainwashed to think but this is my path I go from individual contributor to a team I get people then I get a budget then I'm a VP and if I'm not following that path am I am I going where I, we want to go um, and I you know I know companies have spent a lot of time thinking about this I want to say even the DAA or maybe back in the WAA time that there was even a, a committee that was was thinking through what the different paths are for people um, but it is it is it's it's so important to have at least a path um, and you know it's hard you know we, I think all of us individually are, are kind of talking about that um, in, internally at 336 you know what's my path and how do we grow and I don't want to pretend that it's easy but I, my, my biggest piece of advice is let's shy away from taking what I think is the easy route and just making someone a manager, right? Because to your point, Jim, and your experience, that tends to often go very badly. But maybe, but maybe it didn't. Maybe in the long run, you ended up better for it. I don't, I don't know. You know, I, I think it's kind of set me down looking for a different path because even Jen and I were chatting earlier this week, and I still think I make a bad people manager, even to the, this, this day. Well, and you have told me that that was not your interest. And yeah, so I don't know if that came from that experience or just generally not interested it. in it. I, I think it came it, part of it. Um, but I think I'm just, I know from my experience, I think I'm just a bad people manager. Um, the reason being is it's, it's not necessarily, say, managing deadlines, managing tasks, you know, putting a vision together. It's, and what we've talked about with like good coaches, good managers, you know, they, they kind of have that feel for when they need to have the right tone. I always have the wrong tone. Like when I, should, you know, <laughs> no, if you want to think about it, like just put it in two general buckets, a soft tone or a, a hard, forceful tone. I always pick the wrong one. I pick the soft tone in the wrong situation or, you know, I, in, in, in a situation where I should go a little softer, I pick the hard tone, like, come on guys, we need to get shit done. Let's move. Um, I, I always seem to, to pick the wrong one. So that's why I'm like, eh, I, I want to be, a senior level contributor, but don't necessarily yeah. want a team just because. And, and, and I think that's okay. You know, I, I think it's important that companies empower employees to be able to make that decision and give them an alternative to that path. I think it's, it's very mature and okay to say, I'm just not interested in it. Now, if there's an interest, but it's a, Hey, I need some training and I'm scared to ask because managers are just supposed to get it. I think that's completely fair as, as well. But you know, if it's a, you know what, I don't want to be a manager because if I don't want to be a manager and now I'm a manager and I have to deal with things like I have to kind of be a part-time psychiatrist, psychologist <laughs> to my employees. Um, I have to deal with HR related matters that maybe I don't want to deal with. I have to deal with like budget approvals and like, uh, you know, I'm spending the majority of my time working on operational things and I'm not interested in that, then you're going to be miserable, right? Yeah. Unless and you're the type of problem. person that, yeah. When, when I've been given the opportunity or been put into management type roles, there are aspects of it that I love. And I, I do very much enjoy the mentoring side of it and 
you know, you, you joke about being the psychiatrist or whatever. I, I think I'm actually very good at that and I enjoy it. Um, the uh, growing team spirit and like all of that uh, really people skill type of stuff um, for all of my social anxiety. I, I think I do okay at that management wise, but I, I want to be like a, a cafeteria management manager where I can pick and choose. Like I want all of those pieces, yeah. but I really don't want to manage pipeline, sales, HR, timesheets, like any of that. No, no, no. Yeah. So, and yeah, that's that's a hard thing. It, it, it is, and again, I think it's important for employees again to to feel empowered to be able to have that conversation to say, you know, I don't want to do these things. I want to be recognized for my increase in value to the company, but I need you to help me to find another path. And you know, I had a really amazing uh, boss, and I'm sure I've brought him up on on multiple podcast episodes with my very first job out of college named Paul Bartholomew, um, who him and I had a really in-depth discussion about this. I was never, um, I never held a management level position in, in that company. Um, but he said, and, and I think it was actually, I was being corrected for doing something wrong. Um, and he said, the reason why this is such an important conversation is you are a natural leader. And there's a very big difference between a natural leader and a, and a manager. A manager is given a title uh, with direct responsibility to do things for the company. And that gives them a certain amount of power. And then you have natural leaders that are, are leaders within the team that no one says you're the leader. No one gives you that, that plaque to put on your desk that says, I'm the boss. But you have a massive impact on the team. And it's important to realize when you're in that position because when you make mistakes like you did right now, it, it's amplified because it's more than just you. People look to you as, as someone that they should be following. And so I think it's important that companies realize that there's these different types of leaders and find ways to um, recognize, monetize, um, and, and help employees share in the success of being a natural leader because I'm sure we've all worked with them and and probably we've been natural leaders at other roles that that we've been in or or even here at, at 33 sticks so you know how as a boss or how as someone running a team or a company how can I recognize that as a a very valuable and just as worthwhile as a I'm going to give you a manager title title I think sometimes it's leaving room for, um, even if they're kind of uh, vague, fluffy titles, but subject matter experts and, you know, team lead over such and such a topic sort of thing where you're not necessarily a manager in the, you are doing the HR and um, all of that, but you've grown your skill set to maybe become, you know, become much more knowledgeable on a topic. And if everyone in the org is coming to you about that topic, yeah, that, that deserves uh, some sort of recognition. So um, I, I wish that that weren't such a vague and fluffy thing of, you know, I'm the subject matter expert over this topic. That's rarely something you put on a resume or that gives you a um, bonus on your, your paycheck. Yeah. But I wish it did. Because um, we have a lot of really driven people in our, in our industry that like to learn things and like to branch out. And the industry is growing really fast. We need those people who can adapt and uh, become experts on brand new technology. Uh, I wish we had a way to recognize that.
more efficiently. You know, you know, you bring up a really important point, and I'm not no, not sure if you intended to bring this up like this or not. But um, my my question back to to both of you is, how much of it, and and if it's from personal experience or just experience in general, how much of it do you think is for that future opportunity? Meaning. Um, I, I, I really need to go down this path because it enables me for future growth. You know, if I go to a new company, let's be honest, most companies are really, really bad at hiring. So they look at past performance like, oh, well, Jen was a senior director at her previous company and had X salary. So we're just going to move her up the next level, right? Rather than saying, well, wait a minute, how much value can Jen bring to us and what position do we need her to fill and then and then offer that. So how often are do, do we think people are, again, going into management against their will or going into management and not getting the proper training because the motivation is, but I need to do this so I can ensure to level up at my next step in my career? I, I think it's fairly often. Um, you know, again, I, if I go back to early in my career, um, you know, this that that's what was put out there. And I think it, on a side note, I think a lot of it is also industry driven. You know, in some industries, like the, the, the path is very, very well defined. Like, you know, it's very, very established industries where I think our space is still rather young compared to, to others. So to Jen's point, a lot of those people are still defining what yeah. the path looks like overall for, you know, for, for, for an industry such as ours. So and, I think and, part of and it is, is just no, industry driven. You know, they, yeah, they, yeah. You know, th this is the way my industry goes, and yeah, I've got to kind of suck it up and do this right now for the title, for the paycheck. So if I move jobs in a year or two, I've got, you know, that, that, that title on my resume. So whose job is it to solve it? I mean, because I think it's a fairly complicated thing to solve. And again, you know, in our industry, we have, you know, a professional association and, you know, they've kind of been hit and miss in their ability to influence the larger industry as a whole. But, you know, they're taking a broader view at things. I think from a vendor perspective, it, it looks like just by the number of people that are posting their certs on LinkedIn that Adobe and others have, it looks like put a little bit more emphasis around the importance of certification. So like, whose job is it to solve for this and help recognize people in this industry other than with a managerial title? I, I think it depends upon what perspective you look through, you know, what, what perspective you're looking through. So if we look at, say, the perspective of a, a, a company, and it's my job to make sure people are, are happy, they're growing in their careers the way they want to, the focus then becomes, I think, on HR. You know, HR making sure that there's paths that suit all the all different types of people and 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 their career goals, and then that's just one answer because I don't think it's just one group or one person's job to solve this. So yeah, one answer is HR. And talk about an industry that's ripe for disruption. I think HR is like yeah. stuck in the 1970s and 80s. <laughs> so <laughs> side side note, but to that point, um, we we've seen this very evident with HR in that they don't know how to hire for this space. Mm -hmm. And again, mm -hmm. what they look at is, oh, well, they had a senior director title. That must mean something. Mm -hmm. And again, I think that only goes to to compound the the problem and yeah. force again more people because because of that issue more people into management that to your point Jim may not want to be there yeah. or we put people into management that may be good but we refuse to give them the training that they need mm -hmm. 
Well, and I think uh, I'm going to take more of the, I guess, feminist lean in sort of like it, a lot of it is up to us and, and to speak up um, and advocate for that type of growth. Because like I said, a lot of orgs, they don't yet have the um, data strategist, architect, you know, analyst over multiple departments that connects the pieces or whatever. Like those roles don't yet exist and they really should. Um, and I know that it's, it's not going to be a matter of folks just going to their manager and say, hey, I want to do this. But I, I think there is a lot of planting the seed and, and working towards that, um, that uh, we have to think a little bit more outside of the box when we're having those reviews and talks with our managers and, and things like that. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good insight um, because it is a, a lot like the Wild West still. There's, there's a lot that... Um, is left to be claimed and defined and you know we could probably i'm not going to say because i say it every episode but i'm going to say it we could probably have a whole other episode on this topic <laughs> um but uh, you know staffing teams and even where does the team fit it, it we ha i was having this conversation back in 2005 it's 2019 we're solving the conversation where does analytics fit within where does digital analytics fit within the organization and there's probably 50 different answers of what companies are are, are doing and so you know i think it's a, a really good point jen that it's on the flip side there's a lot of opportunity for someone to take onus of that and say okay well if no one else is going to drive it i'm going to stand up and and kind of define what i want and it doesn't matter if you've only been with the company a year you've been there 10 years i think you're kind of on equal ground to be able to stand up and say well this is what i think because no one else is defining it Right. So yeah. I'm going to I'm going to make a push to to define what I think the right path is. Then I think uh, this isn't really a direct answer to your question, but it's sort of a side issue is a lot of the time. I think folks might be managers just or become managers simply because there wasn't anyone else to do it. <laughs> that um, mm -hmm. there is a lack of folks out there who have that manager skill set and also know anything about analytics. Um, and. I, yeah, I think a lot of the time it's merely a somebody's got to manage and maybe I'm sick of not being managed. So I'll step up and take over managing myself and others, you know. Right. Um, I, I, I chuckle because, um, you know, we can take manager of web, web analytics and you could probably go to 10 different companies. Oh, yeah. And and the skills and the expectation for what that role is, is are probably going to be 10 completely different things. Yep. Absolutely. And I've, I've been lucky the last two or three roles that I've been in, I've had someone um, managing me who actually understands the technical and implementation side of things, where uh, frequently I've been managed by folks with maybe more of a business analyst uh, perspective and all of that. And, you know, it's the standard joke of, um, you know, a lot of project managers think you can make a baby, you know, uh, go through an entire pregnancy by putting nine people on a project over the course of a month. Um, I've had a lot of those sort of managers where um, it's very hard to explain to them that that's, that's not really how it works. And on the technical side where we're working with developers and publishing timelines and all of that, that, you know, there are limitations and, um, or just to have someone who can review my code when I'm doing something really technical and tell me how I can grow or whether or not it's good and, um, help me realize growth there and get recognition for growth there. Um, you know, that's a very rare thing. And I, I'll give a call out to Matt Alexander at Cognetic, but that was like the first time in a long time that I had had a manager over me that really got that. 
um, and then to move from that and and into or it's, <laughs> I just said yeah we'll edit that one out right Jen um, we don't add, we don't edit uh, yeah we will all right <laughs> <laughs> but to go from that into thirty three six where you know Jason and like everyone I'm working with gets it that um, there's a a certain growth path and timelines and limitations and things that we're working around on the technical side. And I'm sure that folks could say the same for the uh, more business side, that having a manager who really understands the analysis and um, getting valuable insight and not just delivering reports and things, things like that's a big thing. So let me, let's, I want to put this back on both of you from a personal perspective. So start thinking and I want you to answer um, let's let's take the assumption that that neither one of you have a desire to be a people manager, whether that's true or not. I just want you to kind of play that role for a second here, and I want you to think about if if I want to go down a different path, what is it? What's important to me? Uh, how how do you want to be recognized for your growth, um, both from a personal? I want to feel good about it. Um, from a I want to be able to. Um, profit from it and stupid fly and <laughs> you see that fly busting my head yeah really I, I saw it combined at first I thought maybe did it fly in front of my screen and just happened to cross <laughs> where you're at super irritating uh, and then the third piece being if you know the industry expects to see this kind of natural path moving into management what ways do you want to be recognized so that you know for either future opportunities or unlocking the levels of conversations you can be in you know how would you like that to be recognized so there's a lot and that's really loaded but i i kind of want you guys to answer that from a personal perspective what 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 you need what you desire uh jim you should go first. I talk too much. Okay. Um, this is just going to be a stream of consciousness. It's not going to necessarily be organized. Um, you know, recognized within the company, it's it's more along the lines of being. What's the word to use? Um, I don't want to say enabled. Be yeah, it's it's not that. And I want to use empowered because it's very cliche, but it's being able to contribute at the strategic level. Mm -hmm. It's being able to help take, say, a chunk of the team, the department, the organization, or even the company's strategy and being able to, to contribute to that without necessarily having to, to be a people manager. Um, you know, the, 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 there's always the, the financial component that that, 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 that kind of comes along with the, 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 the contributions. Um, so those are the two things. But outside of that, like, you know, say outside the company, because then the question is always is, you know, always is, you know, how many people have you managed? How big is, is, is your team? And that's where I'm struggling with at the moment. Like, how... Yeah. Because that that does change future yeah. conversations, right? Because you're you're often asked that in job interviews, um, and even if not, especially like in consulting, um, you know, title often matters, or some kind of experience matters to allow you to sit at different levels of conversation. So, and if if we came back and said, you know what, the answer is title, then you know that's fine. But mm -hmm. are there other ways potentially that it can be recognized and unlocked so that again, whether it's your current role, um, expanding kind of the, 
the recognition outside that you deserve or it's if it's for future opportunities that you know you're not you're not undervaluing yourself because you can't answer well i managed a team of 50. yeah i mean i, th I think it's got to go with the title then the the, the the title that you then match up with well when i was there over this time i led say these strategic engagements um where you know so if we think like let's just focus on consulting work you know, I, I led these strategic engagements, you know, you know, out of the top five biggest clients we had, I, I led three of them. Um, I contributed to these areas of the company's strategy. I delivered this at, you know, X, Y, and Z. And then you have the title that the, the hiring manager may be the only thing that they're looking at. You know, they, they, they see that as well. Yeah, and I think the only, well, I think the big risk to that is, uh, again, um, outdated HR mm -hmm. companies, mm -hmm. Uh, departments, companies that don't know how to hire, you maybe don't even make it past the first filter, even though you're highly qualified. But if you exactly. have, you know, a hiring manager that's going to invest the time into really getting to know Jim and what you can do, then it's not an issue. But it's, it's again, that initial filter that oftentimes people get pushed through that management chain so they can pass that initial filter. Mm -hmm. When I think for a lot of folks, um, it's even just a matter of knowing, especially again in our industry with a lot of motivated learners and, and adaptable people and stuff that it's um, being given permission and, and feeling like you have a chance to learn and grow, even if it isn't a, a title change or anything like that. Um, but I think for many people, if they're feeling the itch for a role change or knowing what their career path is and all of that, it may just be that they're bored in their current role. And they, uh, it, it may not even call for a role change so much as a being given permission and recognition for learning and growing and um, making changes and stuff. And I think some of it is giving, uh, giving individuals a chance to say that they're not interested in management and say, I'm content where I am so long as I'm still growing and, and all of that. I could continue being a consultant forever. And if I top out at VP of consulting and I'm still just doing more of the same, but I'm doing a really good job of it, I'm content with that. So help yeah. me learn how to, to become better in my current role and, and give me permission to do so without forcing you know a certain track on me. And I think that's probably the most important takeaway from this conversation, especially for people that are listening that are currently in management positions is to not assume that everyone within your team desires to go down that track, um, but you may have some people that don't feel comfortable verbalizing that to you. And you need you need to make them feel comfortable to have the conversation of, yes, I wanna be a manager, can you give me the, the proper training? Or no, you know what, I don't. I want to you know focus my efforts out elsewhere, but that doesn't mean that I am any less valuable to you. And we need to work together to find a way where you can properly um, compensate me and properly recognize me for the value that I'm adding that's on a different path than a traditional managerial path. And that may still involve some things that are tied to management, like the mentoring and all of that, that, um, you know, I want to be the best darn consultant that I can and stay on that path. But maybe part of my career growth means that I am now mentoring others in my org. I'm not managing them. I'm not um, signing their HR forms, but um, 
I'm meeting with them regularly and teaching them and I'm now doing brown bag seminars and, and all of that that um, still gives you milestones to achieve and, and expand your influence within the org without necessarily forcing you down that management track. Yeah. And, and I think that's the easiest thing to solve because we all have control over that. Right. As an individual contributor, I have control of, over having that conversation with my manager. As a manager, I have control over recognizing the importance of these these multiple paths. And I can put that in play, at least for my team, if not influence larger uh, within the company. I, I think the, the bigger challenge then is external. And there's two pieces to it. So, again, externally, what do we do as as Jen becomes the very top level consultant? What do we do to ensure that she has the external recognition that aligns with her growth, um, both from a, again, current execution perspective. So she's talking to companies and clients and she's presenting at Adobe Summit that people have the ability to say, and again, if it's if it's some kind of title hierarchy, then fine, that's probably the easy answer. Um, so we just you know, make that, up more titles. Our industry is good at that. I don't like that being the path, but it seems to be the path of least resistance. Um, but it does. It has an impact on that external perception of yeah. where you're currently at. And it also has an impact on potential future growth at, a, at another company. So, again, we can solve the what's right in front of us. The bigger question is how do we solve that, that bigger kind of challenge of making mm -hmm. sure that the gyms and gens are, are recognized for the contribution they're giving that is not in a managerial role? Because it's, it's funny, you know, I think we're hitting on something else, too, because I think for, for many of us, you know, title is, is meaningless. It's what do you actually do with that title? Because I think a lot of us have come across people that have a very inflated title as compared to either their con uh, contributions or, or skill set. And I think it's also the same thing with, like, managing people. Just because you manage a large, te large team, you know, it doesn't mean you're actually good at it. But those are the two major qualifications a lot of times for that future opportunity. What's your title and how many people have you managed? So it, it's it, a really weird conundrum. It, it is, and um, a, a lot of times it is hollow and it mm -hmm. is meaningless. A lot of times there there is amazing value to, to be had from that. So on the flip side of that, and I may have shared this story before, but I was hired by Numeric Analytics to build out their optimization program many, many years ago. Um, and I was hired with the vaulty title of senior consultant. Um, even though I was asked to build out an entire practice, have a team, build partnerships. Do you want to guess how many people return my calls and how many conversations mm. with potential partners? Zero. Zero. And I went back to my management team and said, I'm, I'm hitting a brick wall here. And I was like, oh, well, you're a senior consultant. I mean, that's your title. I'm like, yeah, but you're asking me to do something bigger than that. So I changed my title when I introduced myself. Um, and it was it was weird. I all of a sudden got in meetings with Adobe's partner program and I was able to have conversations with, you know, VP level people at potential clients that prior to that no one was returning my call. So, you know, there is a value to it. Uh, on one hand again because it may be the path of re least resistance that we align title with some kind of level of authority. Um, yeah. some kind of level of, of expertise. It, it's lame that, that it is that way, but it, it is that way. Like there are the lame is. HR recruiters mm -hmm. out there. We have to call it what it is. And, yeah. you know, to be honest, my last, I think, four or five jobs, like my first week on the job, part of it was deciding what my title was going to be. <laughs> um, so 
it is really lame that so much stress is put on it because uh, principal consultant could mean something very different at a lot of different companies, but that's going to be the, the word that the HR algorithm picks up that chooses me, you know? Um, well, let me, let me, let me put a, let me flip it to you, Jen, um, because I, I've, I've seen this feedback as well. Um, but to your point, um, I've seen several consulting agencies that have ran into this conundrum. And so what they do is they give the title. So I go from principal consultant to now I've kind of hit that ceiling. So now I'm director of data yeah. visualization. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have a team. I don't have budget responsibilities. I'm not setting the vision for that organization, but I, I you know, I'm now something bigger than just principal. On the flip side of it, sure that may open up conversations, but on the flip side of it, I've heard from companies that said, wait a minute, I don't want your director on my, I want someone that actually is gonna do the work, right? <laughs> It's true, right? So, like, how do you balance those things out where, you know, when you start getting those management titles, it kind of comes with the notion of, okay, that's cool, but I don't want them working, you know, and again, we're coming from a pure services standpoint. I don't want your director of data visualization on my account. I want your principal consultant on my account. Basically, you just, you end up printing yourself multiple (laughs) Yeah, multiple titles. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, I think it's why a lot of agencies have directors and then group directors. Have, Have you seen that? Mm. I haven't. Um, so one agency I was with, or at least the agency side of one company, you had directors and then group directors. So the directors were those you know senior level contributors. Um, on a side note, I think they overinflated yeah, titles. That's another conversation. But then they had the group directors, so they're the ones that manage teams. That makes sense. Yeah. And yeah, yeah so- but. So it's, it's a one way of, those, of handing out that director title. There isn't really a industry standard for that, though, or for any of the titles mm-hmm. yet. So right, right. Sorry. You know, I had a I had a visual, Jen, as you were talking, and this goes counter to my view that we shouldn't play different roles. That we're just I'm I'm Jason, you're you're Jen. But I had a visual. So um, not on, not only am I playing um, Lego Marvels, but my son and I are playing uh, Lego City Undercover. And uh, fantastic so you, games. An, really a, an amazing game. They're, they're all great. So on Lego City Undercover, you're Chase McCain. You're this police detective. And you have these different disguises that have different capabilities. And you kind of, you know, depending on what you're trying to solve for, you kind of shift into a different disguise so you can have a different capability. Is, is that kind of what you're saying? It's like, well, depending on the situation, maybe I go from principal consultant to this other title. Um in, in order to be able to solve the specific mission. Yep. I will admit that I have introduced myself with different titles um, on different calls on the very same day. Like that's something I have done. <laughs> so uh, I guess if I, I can only have one title on LinkedIn, maybe, but um, I, well, I that would be an interesting a put on a different hat kind of. I would love to have that conversation internally because I think you're right. Um, and I think, it's it's worth kind of spending some time thinking about it because there there you know there there is something to that that recognition um and and again i think maybe that's the the better of the two paths of saying well rather than just pushing jen into a manager title and making her do all these manager things give employees the flexibility specifically in in services but maybe otherwise where depending on the situation you put on a different disguise and different title to to unlock um different things that you're trying to accomplish i can't believe i'm even saying that but well 
and you know, I mentioned earlier the the softer titles of subject matter expert and things like that. I'll admit I've used that really heavily sometimes to be like, yes, I am I'm a consultant at the same level as this other consultant I am helping out, but I'm, you know, the subject matter expert for our whole org on this particular topic or even if you are you have a management title or a VP title, you can still throw that out there as a, you know, I just a nod to let the people know that you you've been down in the weeds and you do know, um, you know, some of the specifics, figure out a way yeah. to slide in that you have experience with that particular topic. Um, I think can make a big difference. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a really important conversation and, you know, as, as always, I don't know that we solve these big complex things, but um, if, if nothing else, I, I think, the one thing that we brought up is that at least on a micro level, some of these things uh, should be talked about. Uh, and I think oftentimes they're, they're not. And again, as, as an employee, um, you should feel empowered to be able to drive that conversation to make sure that you're setting the path for your career that works best for you and, and not just assume that there's a, a single path from individual contributor through manager. And as a people manager, you know, you really have the responsibility to, train people that you're promoting into management, but more important to that, to really understand your team at an individual level and understand where they want to go. And if their path isn't the traditional managerial path, it's it's really on you to help define one. And it'd be great if you have that support through your HR, through your company, but if not, you shouldn't throw your hands up. To Jen's point, like, define it, you know? What's the worst that can happen? You get reprimanded for it? Eh. Yeah, and while we may not have um, you know resolved it, there, there there may be people that have been like subconsciously struggling with this and haven't been able to verbalize it, because maybe they've been told their entire careers this is the path you have to take, and they yeah. don't know there's another option. Yeah, for sure. So and my have the conversation. Is, is you know if they're not giving you a new official title, give yourself a new soft title. Um, I love that idea. <laughs> I give you permission to make something up, <laughs> and. Because uh, I, I don't think that managers generally would be annoyed or bothered by that if if you have the skills to back it up, then um, there's no reason to not say, I'm now the subject matter expert on such and such a topic um, and own it and present it as such. Um, you might not get a raise off of it, but it may open up opportunities for you and or um, help, help folks realize that there is... Uh, potential for such a role in your org or something to, to grow off of it. And now that Jen brings it up, I, I'm going to admit that I've used at least three um, <laughs> at, at 33 sticks. I've used CEO, I've used co-founder, I've used practice lead. And I didn't think about it at the time. Well, I thought about it, but I didn't think about it from a shifting title perspective. I thought about, okay, this person doesn't want to hear that I'm the CEO of a, you know, less than 20 person company. So I'm going to change my title to something else or, you know, so I've done it subconsciously as well. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so there you go. Awesome conversation. Yep. As always. That fly's still buzzing around my head. <laughs> and I think that we've just found our cold open. Yep. <laughs> I was just thinking that. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. 
you'd like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at www.33sticks.com. The 33 Tangents podcast is a production of 33 Sticks.